Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another podcast episode of Mysterious Headlines. A couple weeks ago, I made a podcast episode talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Now, if you're not familiar with the Kyle Rittenhouse case, you can go listen to the first podcast episode that I put up about the case and kind of get a general synopsis of the Kyle Rittenhouse case. But most people are at least somewhat familiar with the case because it's blown up so much on social media. And so I'm sure you know a little bit about the Kyle Rittenhouse case by now. And if you've been following in the news, you'll kind of know where things are at as of now. But I want to talk about where things are at and what this might mean for the case and some of the just kind of specifics of how a court case runs. So right now, day three of deliberations has ended in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Now, I am someone that is not very familiar with a jury, with a trial, with anything court-related. I am just not very familiar with that. I don't have any that works in the legal system in my family or even in my extended family so I have just never been very familiar or educated on that I didn't take any classes in college related to that and so it's not been something that I've ever really known much about or understood you know obviously we hear on the news about different things different court cases and trials happening. But this is the first trial that I've actually kind of really been invested in, in kind of understanding more about it and following it and really seeing what is going to happen and play out with this case. And so I've actually been learning a lot about the jury process and the trial process and how things actually work. And it's been really fascinating to learn, learn these things. Now, this trial lasted about two weeks and both the prosecutor and the defendant. Now, if you don't know, the prosecutor is the lawyer that is working for the state to try and prove that, yes, the defendant is guilty. And the defendant, um, the defense attorneys are trying to prove that the defendant is not guilty. And so they called different witnesses up on the stand to talk throughout the trial. And we saw all kinds of witnesses come up We saw Gage Grosskoitz come up on the trial stand, on the witness stand. He is the the one person that was shot by Kyle Rittenhouse and survived. We also um, saw a, we saw a couple different um, reporter type people take the witness stand. And then we actually saw Kyle Rittenhouse himself take the witness stand, which was really, really interesting. And... The witnesses were examined and cross-examined, and they are now in the deliberation period, which I've never really known much about the deliberation period, 
but the deliberation period is when um, the jury is basically deciding on the verdict of the case. Now, what they do is they narrow down the jury pool. So 12 people sit on a jury for the trial, and then they narrow it down, and they pick people that are actually going to decide the verdict. And that's done through like a a lottery type system where, or like a bingo type system. If you think of, you know, playing bingo at a bingo hall, they have the big tumbler with all the numbers tumbling through. And they use something very similar to that. And they put all the jury numbers in there. And then they remove some of those jury numbers. And the final jury is selected. So this means it's random. And so they, I believe they do this because they want a smaller group of people coming together to decide the, um, the verdict, but they, they want it to be random because they want everybody to have the same opportunity to hear the same information, hear from the same witnesses, see the same photos and video evidence. And so that's why they do it that way. And then the jury goes and they deliberate and they decide on a verdict. Now, I really had no idea what is a common deliberation time, like how long does deliberation typically take with the jury. And what I've learned is that for every week of a trial, that typically equates to about one day of jury de- deliberations. For every week of a trial, it equates to usually about a day of deliberations. So this case, this trial was about two weeks. So it was expected that this might be about a two-day deliberation. Now, we have just wrapped up day three, and there was still not a verdict reached or announced. So tomorrow will be day four of deliberations. So this is a little bit longer of a deliberation period than expected than normal. And during the deliberation period, the jury can ask or request for certain things. They could request to see videos and photos again, which they did. They requested that yesterday. They asked to see photos and videos and they were granted that. They went into the courtroom. They got to see the videos that they wanted to see. They were able to request additional um, information on the statutes and the laws. And they were granted that. And so they are deciding the verdict of this case. They are deciding, is Kyle Rittenhouse guilty or not guilty? Now, this kind of a case, as I mentioned in the last episode, has been very polarizing, very politically divisive. But it is a case where the outcome is not known. In other criminal cases, it's maybe been very clear at the end of the trial that, oh, this person is definitely guilty or they're definitely not guilty. 
and it's very clear. In this case, it's not very clear. We saw good arguments on both sides. We had good witnesses take the stand that presented evidence for both sides. And nobody really knows exactly what decision is going to be made. And so that's why everyone is kind of waiting on pins and needles to hear what the verdict is going to be. Is Kyle Rittenhouse going to be guilty or is he not going to be guilty? And people are wondering what's going to happen after this. There are people lining the courthouse steps. They've been lining the courthouse steps since day one of deliberation because they don't know exactly when the verdict might be reached. And so people have been lining the courthouse steps. And they've called out the Wisconsin National Guard just as a precaution to be ready on standby because there are people that think there might be rioting and looting and protesting if he is found not guilty. And so it'll be interesting to see the reaction from either side. If he is not guilty, will people root, riot, and loot? If he is guilty, will people on the other side? How will they react? How will they respond? And it's hard for us to really know, but we'll be watching to see what happens. And it won't just be in Kenosha. I'm sure there's going to be reactions all over of varying degrees from people that are very passionate about this case. Now, today, it came out this morning that there was a member of MSNBC that followed the jury bus yesterday after jury deliberations ended. Now, this is also something new that I learned. Sometimes juries are sequestered. A lot of times they are sequestered, which means they are given a hotel, a place to stay while they are on the jury, while they are serving on the jury. And they must stay there, away from family, away from friends, because they don't want anything compromising the jury. If you're serving on a jury, you cannot talk about the case. You cannot read about it online, hear about it from the news. So you have to really divide yourself from anything. And it can be so hard to do that because even if you want to turn on the local news to find out what the weather is going to be tomorrow, to find out if you need to wear a coat, something might pop up about the case unintentionally might pop up about the case, especially in this giant, large national case. And so it can be hard to fully keep yourself away from it, no matter how hard you try. And so in a lot of cases, especially high-profile cases that are national cases, they will have the jury sequestered staying at a hotel that's been paid for them where they know that it'll be easier for these people 
to not have contact with the news or with other people that they might get information from. In this case, the jury is not sequestered, which is surprising because it is a high-profile case. And so that's been interesting that they have not been sequestered. Now, an MSNBC reporter was seen following the jury bus. So during this case, they have had a jury bus that is a closed-off bus where they can't see outside of the windows because the judge said he did not want them seeing signs because there's so many people standing and lining the courthouse steps that they didn't want, he didn't want the jury to see any of the signs and potentially influence them. So they have a bus to transport them from the courthouse to their home and it is a shielded bus where they can't see out of the bus. And there was a car following the jury bus to one of the jury members' houses. And this is a problem because it calls into question the sanctity of our jury and judicial system. That someone could follow them to potentially try and get information while the deliberation is still happening. Now, I found out that it is common practice that people will do this. Reporters will do this. They will follow the jury bus and they will do this to try and see, okay, where does the jury live? Where does this jury member live? So that as soon as the jury is done deliberating, they can go to that jury member's house the next day and say, hey, will you come on the Today Show for an interview? And so, although we hear this, and it's kind of, it's maddening to hear that someone followed the jury bus, it apparently is common practice. They do this often, not with the intention of gathering information ahead of time, or trying to get information from the jury, but just trying to see where the jury members live so so then they can go back once deliberation finishes and they can see if that jury member will be interviewed. Now, the judge said that MSNBC, for the duration of the jury deliberation and trial, will not be allowed in the courtroom. He said that he couldn't believe that that had happened and that they were not going to be allowed in the courtroom. So we are really just waiting to see how long this deliberation takes and when they reach a verdict. Now, again, it is a high-profile case, and people really don't know which way it's going to go. And so it, it, to me, seems to make sense that the jury is taking their time. They're really thinking through it and really digging into the law and the videos to really determine what they think the proper verdict is. Now, tomorrow is Friday. We know 
deliberations will only happen, um, you know, tomorrow, then they'll take a break on the weekend if they need to. So it's possible that the jury might think, okay, tomorrow's Friday, we need to reach a verdict so that, you know, we don't have to come back on Monday. So it's possible that a verdict might be reached tomorrow. I think that's highly likely that a verdict will be reached tomorrow. But it's also possible that they could go into next week. So it'll be really interesting to see what verdict ends up, what the verdict ends up being tomorrow. It'll be, it'll be really interesting. I will make a podcast episode once the verdict has been reached and we can talk about, we can talk about what that verdict is and what that might mean. Because that's something I've been thinking about and questioning is, you know, what is going to be the significance if Kyle Rittenhouse is found not guilty? Will it mean that, will it condemn people, young people, having AR-15s and going out onto the street to quote-unquote protect other people? Will it say that that's okay? Will it give a green light to other people? And then on the flip side, if he is found guilty, will it cause people to, you know, worry about getting involved in something for the fear that, you know, that they could be convicted of a potential crime? Will it deter people from bringing large guns to a situation like that? I don't know. It's interesting to think about, you know, is this going to have a larger significance or not? You know, maybe it'll just end up being one case, you know, a blimp in the in the timeline or in the in the greater court cases. You know, maybe maybe in 10, 15, 20 years from now we'll look back and say, "Oh, remember that you know, really divisive case. That was interesting. But maybe it won't have any long-lasting impact, or maybe it will. So that, you know, remains to be seen. But I am on verdict watch, and a lot of people following this case are on verdict watch to hear what's going to happen in this case. We will talk again soon, maybe tomorrow, when a verdict is reached. I would love to know your thoughts surrounding all of this. You know, I'd love to know if you're more of a legal expert and, you know, maybe you've known some of this stuff about trials and jury deliberation before. I find it really fascinating. I always love learning new things. And so learning stuff about this jury and deliberation and you know, trials and everything has been really interesting. Um, But maybe you're someone that's known about this stuff for a while, and so it's nothing new to you. But to me, it's really interesting to learn more about it and understand how, how these trials actually work and how they actually function. But we will talk again soon. Thanks for listening.